0: Welcome back everyone and we are now rolling into a new episode of the Renaissance podcast and we're very happy to welcome our first guest on the show. So with us today is James Willis. He is a retired GP and family doctor in the south of England and we're going to talk with him about the newest book from Ian McKilchrist called The Matter with Things. So first of all, James, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's very nice of you to invite me and so it's a privilege. Thank you.
0: And thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. So we're just in 20 short minutes now. We're going to talk about your first impressions and favorites so far from the book from McGilchrist. Uh, And just a little bit of of, uh, context also. So uh, as we said in the beginning, so you worked as a GP and family doctor. You have also written a book called The Paradox of Progress. And you have a blog called uh, Generally Speaking. Uh, And some of the the themes from the book is that... that you uh, had, um, you saw the changes wrought by information technology and uh, managerialism in the British National Health Service at first hand. Uh, And you saw the danger that computers and modern management techniques might be used to reduce the richness and humanity of life rather to enhance it. So that's a bit like of your background. And then also for the book we're going to talk about today with the matter of things, for those who have not heard about it, this is the new book from e. I. Christie. He wrote The Master and His Emissary 10 years ago, and now he has a new, know, a new masterwork, 1400 pages about the brain and the nature of reality and our apprehension of it. So we just you can open it up now with your first impressions and your favorites from. Reading the new book.
1: Well, I think I came to this book with a with a receptive mind. I was prepared for it because I, uh, um, general practice, general family medicine, in in particularly in the in the National Health Service is um, you have your feet in both camps of the of the scientific world and the humanities, mm-hmm. and also you're a generalist. You don't aim to be a specialist in anything. You you have to know your limitations. You have to respect expertise, and uh, and I think that set me up to um, to be uh, receptive to the ideas in this book. I was actually hugely impressed by Ian McGillquist's first book, the, the Master and His Emissary, which was published 11 years ago. Mm. And uh, Ian has been working by himself, in a wonderful home in in Sky, for eleven years since then, mm. and goodness me, it shows he's got he's got the most extraordinary range of um, sources. Um, the The bibliography of this new new book um, runs to uh, one hundred and eighty pages, and they're not mm. they're small print and and he it's not he's not just showing off he 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 has an exhaustive and intimate knowledge of all these these points of view and they're huge names they're they're the big names of philosophy and science and um uh, literature and art and he quotes them all with such familiarity that Mm. um and uh, what we haven't said is that he, his own background is is he's he's been a top-flight um, uh, uh, academic in the worlds of um, of humanities, having been a fellow at All Souls, Oxford, on three in three times, and he's he's then um, trained as a doctor. He's done um, experiments in in uh, psycho in neurophysiology um and neuropathology he's now a practicing psychiatrist so he has immense expertise and and knowledge across a huge range of fields and he draws from that a, a quite i think unique ability to put all these threads together and draw conclusions and the thing which i'm realizing in this um as I get further, I haven't finished the book yet. I'm now it's about about three quarters of the way through. Mm. I just read an absolutely transformative chapter, um, actually, is chapter twenty-five about uh, consciousness and um, and matter. Mm. And he draws draws on um, modern physics, uh, quantum mechanics. And to show that um, life is not as we think it is, we, we, every, there are things which are uh, unpredictable, unmeasurable, unquantif- unquantifiable, and these are at the heart of everything. And they don't just apply at the, the minute scale of atoms and uh, elementary particles. He shows that he shows a, for, for, from an enormous range of sources that they also apply on to to macroscopic, uh, to to um, human-scale activities and uh, effects. And the implications of this are so profound that there is some... I, I've always, as a, as a doctor, I've seen my... And actually, as, a, as the son of a previous secretary of the British Adver- Association for the Advancement of Science, so I have a, a who was a, a research... Um, Researcher in in, in um, atomic energy, uh, and um, so I grew up in a very scientific environment. I did know nothing but science from O levels onwards, which is uh, um, age uh, thirteen onwards, um, and um, and have always seen myself as a man of the Enlightenment and a rationalist, mm. um, but. Then I began to have my doubts. I started to, I used to collect ideas for myself while I was working and I I would make notes and I would put them together and when I I finally got a word processor in in about 1980, uh, it was very primitive, but I could actually write things for myself and come back to them and hone them up and tune them and gradually develop my ideas until if something didn't seem right two weeks later, I'd change it till it did. And eventually, after working on this for probably the best part of ten years, it turned into this book, *The Paradox of Progress*, which is all based on my experience of, of reality, uh, the reality of working in practice. Because I was, a, I was an early enthusiast for pre- for computers in practice, and I was very, I, I I was a very early adopter, in fact, and wrote practice and pro- programs to manage things like my diabetics and my chronic visits. Believe it or not, we had chronic visits in those days, mm. which we, we had a list of people we'd call in on uh, spontaneously. Um, my my programme, I wrote, enabled me to call in on their birthdays, which, mm. was, a, which was, a, 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 was a hugely rewarding thing to do. So I got all this experience of, and I began to think, my interest became more and more, in, not in the computer, but in the brain. And the way the brain was working, And I was thinking how much more subtle, sophisticated, huge uh, the the brain was, and that, that we need the, um, the, the the humanities and and the human side of life. And that we unless we were careful, we were going to get our world, our life, our well, the health service in particular, in my immediate thing, but the whole of our society. Um, rewritten, as I said, on tablets of silicon, uh, that it would be fixed because that's the nature of computer things. They're not. And our thoughts and our appreciation of the world is not fixed. It's it's constantly malleable and uh, adaptable. So I came to McGilchrist's book with with a absolute. Wonderment that he was he was giving this colossal intellectual uh, underpinning of of intuitions I had twenty years ago. and And I think I'm very, very fortunate to have lived at this time, had these experiences. it's all it's all come together. and i th- I really think uh, one of the cover quotes, is from an, uh, uh, an Oxford professor, I think, who says that it's it's one of the one of the most important books of all, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't think that's not an exaggeration. I think it is hugely important. I've been reading. I, I got an I paid for an advance copy, um, and received it in early November, and I'm still gently working through it. I write. Well, this latest this latest chapter I've just finished was eighty pages. I mean, I underlined right through it in pencil.
0: Yeah, so so then that, then that then, is the, the matter and consciousness chapter.
1: They, 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 the exactly. yes. yes,
0: I I saw he said in an interview that he he's considering publishing that chapter as a standalone book, uh, and just it might take several decades to for, for this this book this work. To start unfolding and being understood, and like the implications, it's like this it, it's so full of nutrition, it goes so deep and it's so full of nutrition. So, yeah. it's, it's it, time will show kind of what the ramifications are. I think I, um, I only
1: worry about that. Is it, I think normally one would say, Yes, absolutely, it will take that long. Yeah. But I don't think we've got that long. I think there's an urgency to to start getting the world moving away from its from the rut we've got into. It has to be said, particularly the Western world.
0: I, I really yeah. liked what you. You wrote something in, in an email that I really liked about um, the effect of reading it and kind of the way you described uh, your the discoveries. So. Uh, you had this introduction part where you said that, as a scientist who believed himself to be a man of the Enlightenment, I am groping towards an understanding that there is an extraordinary, wonderful richness beyond that, not replacing it, but freeing, like a bird from a cage. Uh, I really like that phrase because it's um, it ties into very much of uh, of ancient wisdom as well, and yes. and and the and the warnings against. Uh, too much rationality or like solely rational thinking, and what lies beyond it. Um, Dante and late medieval theology is full of this all the time. You need reason, but then you're gonna you can expand with and uh, trying to apprehend gradually something of the mystery, and they're not in contradiction. They they're working together, uh, but the trap is that if you confine yourself to the rational, you see what is beyond as an A contrast or an opposite or a threat to what you have—that is part of the problem with the trap that you see something that is uh, as like a a broadening. You see it as you misunderstand what it is, so you start kind of clinging to those uh, strict confines of the rational thinking. So, um, just as you said, like not replacing it.
1: Um, I wrote that piece because I I do. I, I. Copy down as well as underlining things. I, I I copy down bits in my um, I use Evernote actually. Uh, mm-hmm. on a, uh, and I um, I copy down bits and I make notes. And I, and it's usually my mind's most active in the uh, first thing in the morning when I mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I make note. And that was a note I wrote for myself that morning. Mm. And um, and um, it makes sense, I, you
0: know, you can be much more um open and perceptive early in the morning. When when the world is quieter, well,
1: I'd yeah. love to settle down and read it in the evening. But I I don't I don't absorb it properly. Yeah. I, I I mean I, I I totally understand if anybody finds it, it takes a long time to read. I just encourage them to to get a copy because I, you can read it online. But I honestly think it's much better to have the have the thing and to actually handle it. Um, it just by all means mark it because yeah. I think. That's uh, I think makes it your own. You can see when you come back to it, you can see where you had thoughts, and um, and take your time and let it sing. because it takes a while. It's like learning a, one of the things I've done in lockdown is trying to learn the piano for the first time, and it takes a while. You do it, you try a new phrase, and it's, it seems like absolutely impossible, and then you come back to it, and gradually after two weeks, you find it's coming. Mm-hmm. And and with this, some of the ideas take a long time to settle and to settle in, and to be, and to take, but but the whole thing rings true, and it it's all in, internally coherent. And and he also, it, it, almost superhuman in my mind, having written things myself, he keeps a, a consistent narrative thread going through all 1,500 pages. Mm-hmm. And, and he doesn't seem to, I haven't come across any repetition, it, the whole thing is designed to to lead you through these ideas as a in a gentle, humble way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think um so sometimes I've seen these short interviews with Mikhail Christ, and then, then he kind of crystallizes a few points that are gonna kind of be helpful. Um, but he said something that if nothing else, that these like his work and a deeper understanding of the difference, like the hemispheres and the differences. Uh, He says, at at least we can identify excesses of the hemispheres more clearly now than we could before. So you can say that some types of of, of branches out in a philosophy, which could be seen before as uh, just an opinion or a personality way of thinking, you could actually see that this is uh, clearly the left hemisphere starting to go in circles. And, and not seeing it, it the world anymore, so you can actually identify these things. And and I I, I to a large extent agree with that. That that's something yeah. we now can actually. Uh, so there's a practical kind of application yeah. of his work as well. To just that uh, we're already over time here. So we, we just if you want to wrap up, if you if you have one or two kind of main reasons to people uh, what they will get from reading the book. Uh, on the spot, <laughs> do you have any, any? Uh...
1: Well, it's 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 enjoyable. It's it's a fascinating review of a huge range of of topics of sub uh, of subjects. Mm-hmm. It's constantly quoting uh, examples which are inherently, all just by themselves, inherently fascinating and tremendously interesting to read. So that's one thing. It's a it's a very entertaining hugely informative read about a vast range of subjects and linking them all together. But more than that, I think it is revelatory. It's Mm -hmm. it's life-changing and it's hugely exciting. And if you you can only read it with an open mind, with a receptive mind, and that's asking a lot of many specialists whose whole careers and whole background is based on the um, conventional uh, mechanistic Paradigm which dominates Western science and biology, and um, and which is assumed to be true with with um, great conviction and certainty. There's always a, certainty is always a danger. It's a paradox uh, because everybody knows that certainty is isn't available in in science. Because uh, uh, at the same time, people like Richard Dawkins are very certain that he's that he's um, uh, of the things he he believes and is quite an evangelist for the things he believes, which are deeply um, questionable. If you read McGilchrist, <laughs> and yeah. not, oh. yeah, I mean, he's dead right about um, evolution. In, yeah. in one, nobody, nobody does it better. Uh, mm. It's, it's uh, so, But it's, it's there's something way beyond that, which if only he could open his mind to it, he, if he had the humility because in coast approaches all these subjects with humility, he knows, he says, I don't, I'm not the expert on this. I'm quoting people who are, and, uh, that's what, which Dawkins should do.
0: Mm. Um, well, though, I think that was two really good, um, uh, like inspirations and could be a motivation for people to, to pick up the book. Uh, I would also think that, um, just getting a, a an understanding of the hemispheres in itself is the is the is the first giant step, and then if you read a new book, you will start understanding like how 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 profound it is, and and uh, and how you 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 yourself can change your way you think and just get a broader understanding and a more balanced view of the world and and getting a uh, a way out of especially then the 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 left hemisphere and and the world of the left hemisphere which is, again, McKilchrist's claim that is a, uh, a challenge for us today. Like, it it has become too tilted and we have to do something about it. So, um, um, I think we're going to wrap it up here. I uh, just want to say, again, uh, thank you so much for taking the time and <laughs> for all your wonderful thoughts on McKilchrist's book. And um, Well,
1: thank you for asking, me, Richard. I must say, uh, I, I, I have a great, um, I think, it's great respect right? i think we understand each other and i hope some of the listeners understand as well thank mm. you <laughs>
0: yeah and and it's it's a, it's a it's a great thing with a book if you if you really just want people to read it and it, you think it's a good good it's good for the world it will improve things if more people read it and know his work and then it's it's a natural way of wanting to promote the book as well just so, yeah, so um yeah. um yeah. Yeah, so uh, again, everyone who's listening, the, the new book is then The Matter With Things. The first masterwork is then uh, The Master and His Emissary. And um, with that, just thank you, everybody, and see you again another time. Goodbye.